Well, Pete, uh, you know, the, here's a story that showed up in the, in the Times, and I read it to myself, and I found myself actually tearing up. And then uh, I started reading it aloud to Judith, and it actually made me cry, this story. So I'm going to try to get through it uh, today um, on this show, because it, it, it really says something to, uh, to our whole generation. And this is how it begins. Catherine Seeley is the author. The telltale clues at this weekend's festivities in Boston, 40 years late, included the tie-dye t-shirt on a woman who also wore a peace symbol necklace and a garland in her hair. I thought everyone would be dressed like this, she said. When the group stood for its class picture, even those in suits and ties made the peace sign. Others raised clenched fists. And one of them marched in the commencement processional with an anti-war poster slung around his neck. The accoutrement and spirit of their era still radiate from the class of 1970, despite the harsh and abrupt ending to their years at Boston University. That spring was supposed to bring a flowery conclusion to their four years of academe, but President Richard M. Nixon had invaded Cambodia. National Guardsmen had gunned down students at Kent State, killing four and wounding nine. Young men still faced the draft, and this campus, like many across the country, was in turmoil with strike sit-ins, building takeovers, and firebombings. The situation became so incendiary that for safety's sake, university officials called off final exams canceled graduation, and sent students packing. This weekend, on what would have been the 40th anniversary of that ceremony, the university sought to make amends with a proper graduation. Oh, that's, now, that's wonderful, David. Now, I mean, that, the paragraph about Cambodia and Kent State and facing the draft and canceling the graduation took me right back to our writing sessions, and perhaps people would be interested in knowing this uh, about our album, uh, Don't Crush That Dwarf, Hand Me the Pliers, was written directly in the midst of this. Yes. And when Porgy Tirebiter says, you know, golly, uh, you know, your high school has disappeared. And he says, where are we going to graduate from? There you go. That's like a headline from 1970. And I was just thrown back into that era and that chaos. And here are these two teenagers trying to get out of school. Isn't everybody? He says, I'm just trying to get out. Isn't everybody? Yeah. I mean, golly, the truth of that experience is more deeply layered into that album than I ever thought. But I'd like to say to these 40-year-later, too-late graduates of Boston University, boy, <sighs> Well, Pete, uh, I like to read the New York Times food section, and it amazed me. Um, I get recipes out of it, you know, and I like to read the reviews of restaurants I'll never eat in. You know, thousands of restaurants in New York, it, oh, they cook the most interesting food. I never eat there. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, there's this huge piece, and by golly, there was a bong right there, along with all the rest of the cutlery and knives and forks. There was a big bong, and I thought, well, what's this about? Well, it's sort of about cooking with pot, but you see, it isn't actually cooking with pot. It's cooking sort of food for people who are potted, as it were. 
Uh, for example, how would you like a cinnamon bun cereal milk soft serve with chocolate fudge topping? You mean if I've got the chucks? Yes, uh-huh. Uh, now, here's this lady who said of that dish, she said, and I love this, so 21st century, it's so random that it's something you would eat if you were totally baked. Wake and bake and eat a what? Well, that's where we're going here, okay. Pete, because the, it's, they're making food for stoners. There's a whole thing of making food that stoners would like to eat, and it's a big restaurant uh, thing. Now, chefs who do smoke, and they do smoke, say that, uh, that the, the quality of the food, the quality of the wine, the whole thing is about quality, including the pot. The quality of marijuana you're getting, just like the quality of booze you're getting and the quality of food you're getting is better, says this cook. Now, although marijuana has long been a part of restaurant culture, its current prominence res uh, results, he said, Mr. Fecinelli, from a triple coincidence. And here they come. Talk this up in your fingers. More states are legalizing marijuana or offering medical marijuana plans, so yep. there's more and better pot in circulation. That's true. Yeah, Certainly there true. There you go. At the same time, diners are wild about high-end snacking. Yeah. Witness the rise of food carts and the elevation of humble dishes like pizza, hamburgers, and pork buns. Here it's the taco carts on yeah. the West Coast. Okay. I haven't been like eating a lot of pork buns here off the island. Not they'll, often. They'll be here sooner okay. or later. Go ahead. The chefs of the whole stoner cuisine, love that, uh, 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 the whole stoner cuisine movement are just as obsessive about their marijuana as they are about their olive oil. <laughs> It's like getting the best cheese, Mr. Facinelli says. I have like four or five different types of marijuana in my refrigerator right now. It goes hand in hand with a cup of coffee. It's called Wake and Bake. Grab a cup of joe and get on with it. But you know, what we loved in the old days was instant breakfast. <laughs> Hello, sir. A little surprise for the little woman from the little flower shoppy around the little corner. We have a special today on roses, begonias, and nightshades. No, no, I want that big vase of carnations there in the window. Ah, yes. Two dozen of our most beautiful blooms. Just let me wrap them oh, up. Oh, no, here. no, no, bother. I'll eat them here. Good gracious, sir. What is it you're doing? Oh, well, I just couldn't face another one of my wife's brand muffin prune juice and hominy grit breakfast. So she says, if you don't like the way I cook, why don't you go out and have a carnation instant breakfast? How do you <laughs> like them? They're a little dry. Well, no wonder, sir. You're supposed to mix a carnation instant breakfast with milk. What a colorful idea. Are there any other flavors? Of course. Hollyhock, snapdragon, gladiola, cactus. I think I'll stick with carnation. Put the miracle additive in your day. THC. Take home carnation. Instant breakfast. Start off your day with carnation instant breakfast and shuffle off to Buffalo. Those are real. Firesign Theater was hired a long time ago, a long, long time ago, to do a series of commercials for Carnation Instant Breakfast. And we threw in that THC thing, and they never caught it. They never caught it. Well, uh, now, if you're cooking with grass, I'm going to go back to uh, one of the great books of the time, A Child's Garden of Grass. And, <laughs> uh, well, this is what it says to do. Uh, <clears throat> let me read this. The spoons in your silverware drawer are usually shallower than regulation measuring spoons and probably hold about half the volume. Figure that one heaping teaspoon is equally uh, is easily equal to one good portion. Okay, 
of pot. The more you grind the grass using a blender or pressing it through a very fine strainer, the less gritty the dish will be. I'll bet. <laughs> if you use grass in a cake recipe, be sure to add more liquid or eggs or anything. And take out the <laughs> sticks and the <laughs> seeds, chef. Just because the grass will make the cake much heavier than, than usual. And uh, Man, this wh- cake is heavy. <laughs> one of the recipes here is for fraud tea. Another one is for terrible tea. And um, the best one is for contact high. But, you know, Peter, your experience long, long ago in the child's garden of grass was the real one. Creativity. It's a known fact that grass increases creativity from 8 to 11 times. In fact, everyone finds that they're more creative stoned than straight. All of us are latent Michelangelos or Carusos or Da Vinci's and think we can paint or sing or write if only we tried hard enough. singing in the shower, Dave. That's pretty good, Pete. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for being with us. Um, we're coming up at the end of the show here on Radio Free Oz. We want, we want to thank Dave Osmond. Hey, um, I couldn't be happier to be here. Uh, John Cummings, our ones and zeros man, Phil Fountain, our designer, Tom Gedwillow, our webmaster, Dave Maloney, is our audio engineer and audio producer. Bill McIntyre produces the whole thing. And Scott Wilde is our social media guru. Coming at you tomorrow, posting up.